0: Good morning, everyone. So my name's Phil, as Gordon said, and if you don't know me, I'm usually at the back pushing buttons, making the sound go on and off, and I'm going to be continuing our summer series on singing, uh, but before I sort of crack on, I'm going to quickly pray. Lord, thank you for your gift of worship. Thank you that we have an open invitation to sing your praises with thankfulness. I pray that this, as this message is delivered, that you can soften hearts as only you can transform lives. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to be speaking on how we as a church can witness to the outside world by us all singing together, or the radical witness when churches sing. I thought before I dive into this, uh, I'd share a little bit about myself. Um, I grew up and my historic attitudes to singing. So I grew up in a Christian home, um, went to church, not too dissimilar to one like this. um, And as so seeing people sing at church is totally normal to me. Never had a problem with it. Um, my dad plays guitar. My family are quite musical. and My dad used to lead worship quite a lot as well. So again, seeing singing and being around that is, is fine. However, <laughs> I used to be woken up at 8am on Saturdays, but my dad's singing as loud as he could. <laughs> I think that was his uh, hint to get us to do some chores. But um... But basically, me and singing didn't get off the great start from that. But even with my dad leading worship and being exposed to congregational singing as I grew up, I was kind of more interested in when could I sit down again, because my legs really hurt. And I always wondered some following questions. And throughout my childhood and teenage years, these kept reoccurring. Why do we sing at church? Is it because people like the song? Is it because the tunes, they're nice, catchy? Um, Is it because it gives my my dad something to do at church? Um, Or the one that I genuinely asked him once, which was, Dad, do you want to be in a band but no one else will take you? (laughs) Fortunately, I don't have these burning questions anymore. (laughs) Um, as I, didn't realize, I didn't really realise or get the significance of singing as a congregation in church as I was growing up. Even when I fully gave my life to Jesus at 19, I'd still turn up to church late. I'd skip the worship. For me, I just didn't really get it. So historically, I found church and singing to be more of a Sunday karaoke session with Christian songs than an act of worship to the living God, which is what it is. So why do we sing? The talks that preceded me have gone for a number of different reasons, great reasons why we should sing. But it doesn't matter if you're singing, singing is excellent or below average, like mine The, the Bible is full of references and commandments for us to sing. As Tony said on the first week of this series and I'm paraphrasing him here "We are not commanded to sing because God is egotistical, but we are commanded to sing because He is good. A number of the psalms were written specifically for congregations to sing to one another. In Psalm 66, I won't read the whole thing out, but verses 1 and 2 should come up on the screen. And it says this. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. The first thing it says is we are called to praise God. And then the psalmist gives us some content he says, we are to sing with him, with, to him with glorious praise. Something I found really helpful in the description of glorious praise is, was written by Timothy Keller in his book, some people might know it, My Rock and My Refuge. And he says this, Glory has connotations of weightiness, dignity and magnificence and beauty. Glorious worship is exuberant, never half-hearted. It is attractive, not off-putting. It is awesome, never sentimental. It is brilliant, not careless. It points to God and not the speakers. Glorious praise is something I think I'm going to keep saying over and over again in this preach because I just feel it perfectly describes what we are to do as a church, bring glorious praise to him. And just like the Israel Israel of old, the Israel this psalm was written for, the New Testament and the New Testament church we're about to read for, we are to publicly and to biblically proclaim God's glory by singing with truths and zeal as a congregation. But how does, singing, how does our singing this as a church witness to the world and to each other? If you're taking notes, I've got three main points. I'll be covering them. Point number one is singing together is always a witness. Point number two is we must sing the gospel. And point number three is we sing to mission So starting with point number one, singing together is always a witness. God calls us to worship, and in Psalm 117, the psalmist says, Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples, for great is his steadfast love towards us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. The first thing we're called to do, and the last thing we're called to do, is to praise the Lord. That's the first thing, and we should, and we should, and then the next part goes on to say, extol him all peoples. I'm a bit simple when it comes to the English vocabulary, so I didn't really. I kind of knew what extol meant, but not really. So I had to look it up. I googled it like the good millennial I am. <laughs> I don't think I actually own a dictionary, so and it says, and it simply said, praise enthusiastically. So it's, when it says extol him all peoples God has invited us to worship him and now for us to accept and now it's for us to accept the invitation by praising him enthusiastically to extol him And if you did not need reminding already of why we should praise him he says it says for great is his steadfast love towards us and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever praise the Lord I think that speaks for itself but that's what we're witnessing to as a church. That's what we were singing this morning about his, his steadfast love and his faithfulness of the Lord. And given the same heritage, the early, the early New Testament church, there is an account in Acts 2, verses 46 and 47, where it says this, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people, and the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Wow. For me, if we're serious about adding to our numbers, I'll suggest that worship is such an important and powerful witness for us and the world to see. Glorious worship makes this place so attractive. And the people of Eltham can't resist, won't be able to resist the call of Christ. And as individuals in the congregation, we have a massive part to play in the way that we sing. It should witness to the truths of God, even when times are tough. Sung worship isn't the only way if we should witness the gospel, but it complements it perfectly. Witnessing through song is powerful, but we need to be careful not to damage our witness through hypocritical worship. We must actually believe what we're singing. What do I mean by this? If we open up to Mark 7, verses 6 and 7, it says this, And he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, this, this people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. I, I've, when I was reading that, I felt uncomfortable. Myself. I felt uncomfortable reading that. Because Jesus is harsh. He's harsh. He, he says, these people honour me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. That's, for me, that was just such a challenge to read that. Because do you ever find your mind wandering during singing? Where you have half a mind on what's on for lunch, whether the car, whether the car park's free. Um, maybe you're even thinking these things now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, 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 but God asks for our full heart and attention when worshipping him. This is where we can seek... Where we don't, this is where we can seek God's forgiveness. This is where grace comes in. This is the beautiful message that we're singing about, that we were once lost and now we're found. All we need to do is seek God, repent, and he will forgive us. And he'll keep working on that area of our lives, like he's still working on me in that area of my life. And that's something amazing to sing about. We are forgiven through God, and he sees us through Jesus. So in essence, although we should enjoy glorious worship, it should be done with our full heart, and not half-hearted. Singing truths on a Sunday or any other time invites uh, invites others who may not know or understand these truths. What we sing glorifies God in a powerful and a a radical way. Going back to my story as a new Christian, I thought the worship was an optional extra. And as I'm not much of a singer, and as I found out, having facial hair doesn't mean that you can sing. (laughs) It, it really doesn't. I won't <laughs> sing in front of you, but. Um, but there was a mixture of singing that I didn't particularly, didn't pic, didn't particularly enjoy. I didn't really like singing. I found it very awkward. I felt that like everyone was just staring at me. Here's a, here's a little tip. No one is staring at you. <laughs> but I thought everyone, and people were judging me for it. So, okay, and sometimes I just thought the songs weren't to my style, weren't to my personal taste. I would occasionally decide to skip that, as I said earlier, just in time for the preach, because that's the good bit. Sometimes I'd turn up and find any excuse not to sing, or just to sing half-heartedly, and I'd be acting probably more like a goldfish. with the <laughs> Nothing coming out. <laughs> it, was, it was only after a few years I realised what a terrible witness I was being as a follower of Jesus. I was saying to the world and to the people of this church, this isn't important. That singing isn't good for you and it doesn't transform your life and but we know that it transforms our relationship with god and fixes our eyes upon him and he's worthy of our praises which is i just didn't know that truth because why is it good because god is good and he tells us to sing to him in the psalms to praise him with exuberant and glorious worship something that really changed for me was really digesting and knowing Colossians 3 specifically verse 16 where it says that Paul writes, writes this let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing i can never say that word <laughs> one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to god my life and my lips try to act out the gospel, but the way I respected singing and praising God wasn't just damaging to fellow Christians, but also to visitors who might be turning up. And they might think, they might be new Christians, and think that singing, that's an optional extra. Paul is commanding the church to sing with the word of Christ rooted inside of us. Together as a congregation, and that's a witness to everyone, that the new self is here, the old wineskins are gone, we can fill ourselves up. And as a church, although we may not see many visitors in the congregation, others can still hear us. If you've ever been slightly late for church, you cannot help but notice, (laughs) as you walk out from the car park, um, us as New Community Eltham singing. This isn't just a quiet little residential place either. It's got one of the main parking places for the whole of Eltham High Street, the Marks and Spencers, the Liddles, and the other one, (laughs) the one that's free, basically. (laughs) Um, so as we sing as a church we are actually witnessing to the world sometimes without even realising it and as individuals we play such a big part into making sure that we have a non-hearted attitude and sing with joy and contentment that Christ provides us it shows something different it shows the world that we have something to sing about we don't have to sing about money and uh, love uh, for other people but with something different So I move on to point two: what we sing, singing the gospel. Something that was missing when I was a child in regards to worship was that I didn't get what we sing. And what we, but what we sing is an extremely important witness to those around us about what we believe and what has saved us: the gospel. The gospel, or the good news, is the power to save all who call upon the name of Jesus. We are called to praise God for what he has done on the cross, the gift of salvation that is open to us all and open to everyone. And his promises that he will save all that put their trust in him, no matter the background. And I'm sorry if I sound like I'm repeating myself, but it's so important to know that singing gospel truths as a congregation gives this declaration of who we are and what the good news is and that the world needs to be set free from darkness. I didn't know that as a young Christian, but I do now, and that's, that's the main thing. I thought I'd go through a song. Um, you have to hear me awkwardly not sing it, just that. I'll, I'll speak the words. Uh, but this is a song that I thought was packed. We had loads of songs this morning that I thought was packed full of truths. But this is one. Uh, so I recently got married. My family's sitting there. Um, for our ceremony, something that we found very, that would be very important is there'd be a lot of non-Christians there. So we wanted songs that were filled with gospel truths to give this declaration. And this one of the songs we did was "This Is Amazing Grace" by Phil Wickham. And it goes like this: It's not up on the screen, unfortunately. Uh, Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of Glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? The King of Glory the king above all kings this is amazing grace this is unfailing love that you would take my place that you would bear my cross uh, that you lay down your life that I would be set free oh Jesus I sing for all that you've done for me who brings our chaos back into order I'm trying to not sing it (laughs) I feel like Gavin and Stacey Um, who who, who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The king of glory. Who rules the nations with truth and justice? Shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The king of glory. The king above all kings. And then it goes on to say, Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the king who conquered the grave. And after, afterwards, although it didn't happen on a Sunday set in, A few of my colleagues came to the wedding, and I asked them, what was their highlight of it? Like, what did you think of it? And what they said really shocked me. The thing I thought they'd talk about is probably the food. Um, (laughs) But one of them turned around and said, what really shocked me is the songs. I said, oh, okay. I think he'd probably say, oh, the band was something, you know, it was quite upbeat. And he said, no, no, it wasn't the band. He said, the words and the songs... And those around me were singing with such enthusiasm and conviction. His exact words were usually at churches, everyone can't wait for the song to finish. <laughs> but I, could, I couldn't get over how the people seemed to actually mean what they were saying or singing. So, being gospel light in our message, gospel light is, is not how we attract people. A watered down gospel isn't the truth, and it can't save. As such, we should not be gospel lights with the songs that we sing. We are commanded in John 4, 20, uh, 23 to 24. Should we coming up on the screen? And it says this, Jesus talking and says, But the hour is coming, and now here, when the true worshippers the, the will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. This commandment seems simple enough. We must sing truth. We must sing the gospel. Whose truth? Jesus is the truth. And and he saved us us for it. So moving on to my final point. Singing to to mission. Psalm 105 to 1 to 2 says this. It should come off on the screen. I think, yeah. Oh give thanks to God oh give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make his make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his all of his wondrous works. There are so many references in the Bible to mission. In this psalm, it specifically as a song reminds us that one of our objectives is to proclaim his name, to make known what he has done. This song calls us to do that. Part of the songs that we should sing should not only have gospel truths, but also stir us for mission. I think the first song we sung had that that in it as a great example. This can be a really challenging call, but it's something that Jesus sends us out to do in his great commission. And songs that we sing, sing as a congregation can remind us that truth that God can stir our hearts throughout glorious worship. There was an old hymn by a man called Frank Houghton, and it was the context of this hymn was written as um, they came back from a mission trip in China in the 1930s, and it didn't go I think to plan. And this song was written. And it was uh, his hymn was written. It was called um, "Making a, a Making a Task Unfinished," facing a task unfinished. So I won't read out the whole thing, but I will just read out a highlight of it. It's quite long. It says this. We all go to the world with kingdom hope unfurled. No other name has power to save but Jesus Christ the Lord. We all go to the world with kingdom hope unfurled. No other name has power to save but Jesus Christ the Lord. So to recap, the world desperately needs the gospel. And one way we can show this is by singing from the depths of our hearts and singing songs with glorious worship. With songs that have meaning and proclaim the truth of the gospel, that, that broken hearts can be set free and give us the gift of salvation. This week, my challenge is simple. And I mostly can feel really convicted about the people who are just like me. Maybe not skipping all of it, but they find singing an awkward experience. This week, sing. I think the band has started to come up, but I'd really encourage you to do one thing. Sing to God with your heart fully fixed on Him. Take away personal preferences and British attitudes. But sing. And I'm going to sign off with this. This is from Isaiah 55, verse 1. It says this Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. We are welcome to sing because God has chosen us and bought our freedom. This call is 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 for us all to sing.